today, um, I'm on Homeland Security. I'm going to say a prayer, but it, we talk about protecting and serving your family. How many want to protect and serve your family? Okay, and I'm not just talking about building machine gun turrets around your house, although who knows if that might be effective at some point, right? <laughs> but I'm talking about that there is a spiritual defense, amen? There is a lifestyle choice that has implications on how you live. The way you live will implicate your family. I said it last week. Sometimes people raised in Christian or religious families, it's just boring to be in your family. How many know that's true sometimes? It's just boring. And, you know, I see kids now turning to, to all kinds of medication and who knows, all kinds of things. Um, I did it in my past because it, it's so boring. And that's what it feels like. Life's not exciting. But I'm telling you that if we live in the kingdom, if we're engaged with the kingdom, if we live in the excitement of what God is actually doing and risk a little bit, we'll find that life is more than just watching it on TV or seeing it in the news, reading about it in the news. How many want to live out your Christianity instead of just watching it? Okay, and this is part of doing that. It's just, and it's not just what you know. It's not just getting information, getting full of knowledge. That can be very helpful, and the Bible says to do it. But it's not the only thing. You know, you're not only hearers of the word, you're also doers of the word. And it's not just instructions like be joyful, be kind, and smile. Um, the Lord wants us to be mighty in him, filled with him. You know, I was talking to uh, my, a couple of my boys and then ended up a conversation with a couple of my kids. And we were talking about, you know, you know the concept of watching other people living out their lives in the Bible, like Gideon or um, Moses or Joshua. And, you know, each one of them had their own walk, didn't they? They weren't the same. They were unique and different. You also, I also, I need to have my own walk with God. It needs to be unique. So this aim to win is what my focus is. Um, if you can change that again, that'd be great. There you go. And <laughs> thanks, guys. And aim to win. I'm going to use the aim as an acrostic for three things. Um, can you say them with me? Can everyone say action? Action, and I'm going to use the, really the word Acts from the word Acts. It's the book of the Acts of the disciples of the apostles. Can everyone say inspiration? Inspiration. So there's an inspiring thing. That's not just external things you're watching and that it's coming at you, but it's, it's birthing from within you and moving out. It's inspired by God. And then can everyone say meaning? Meaning. And, and this I'm really going to draw on some of the things I've learned from a great pastor named Ravi Zacharias, who's a philosopher, a Christian philosopher, and I'm not going to share everything he says, but he's influenced a lot of my thinking on this from the text, and it pointed me a way to understand the text, where he talks about the four attributes of meaning. What gives life meaning? Do you want your life to have meaning? And, and, and this is really well-researched, and the scripture is so full of this. When you see Jesus in action, you'll see that he displays these four attributes of life. What is the meaning of life? And I think it's what everybody searches for and what I'm going to talk about in the next couple of weeks in more detail. So family 2.0, aim to win. Do you want to go there? So let's focus on the three things. Let's get the first two, and then I'm going to spend some time on the third one. The first one is if you want to be a family 2.0, then you need to live out the book of Acts. And I'll say it this way. I remember I had a pastor his, and his wife, uh, Jim and Cheryl Huth, good friends of ours. And I was a young Christian, probably six months or a year in the Lord. And I, I was convinced that God was alive because I'd been touched by God. And, and I started studying his truth, and the truth validated my experience, what had happened to me. And I was telling her, I was, I was reading the book of Acts, and, and I was looking at our church, and we were part of a church plant. And, and we'd seen about probably 10 or 15 church plants come out of that church. One of, one of the church plants that came out of that church is, is a church in Hawaii. It's like about three, 4,000 people. And, and the different churches that planted in, in all these different various places. And I asked her, and I said, I said, you know, the book of Acts, I said, I said, I want our church to be like that. Like, I want to see everything. Now, our church, the church was only about a year old. Now, the book of Acts starts in 33 A.D. and goes to about 63 A.D., so you're looking at about 30 years. How, how many, has anyone here been walking with the Lord at least 30 years? 
Raise your hand up high. 30 years. Have you seen miracles happen? How many of Raise your hand from you 30. Put both hands up if you've seen a miracle. I mean, miraculous is the hand of God. Okay, so there's testimony. I mean, beyond a shadow of a doubt, it was the Spirit of God. Right? How many of you have seen persecution of your faith? Have you been walking 30 years? Persecution. Um, you know, they got stories about going to prison in the book of Acts and all these different stories. And I look at these stories and I, and I told her, I said, I want to see these things happen. And she goes, Eric, you're seeing these things happen. And I go like, what miracles? And she goes, you're a miracle. And I go, I am? And, she, and I go, and I realized I was. And I remember Jody sharing Christ with my dad. And he's going, well, I want to see miracles. Show me miracles. And, and he, Jody goes, how about your son? What kind of miracle is he? Remember him before he found Christ? And my dad goes, well, you got me there. You know what I mean? And I'm going, the loser testimony, it works every time. You know what I mean? I'm like the poster child. You know what I mean? And I'm not ashamed of it either. Um, You know, because I think it's harder for, I think it's harder for those raised in the church to understand their own wickedness. I, I really do. I think they think that they're pretty good Moving to even gooder with emphasis. And, and I, you know, I obviously know the, I know the right, I know be knowing the right ways to say that. Okay? But they don't understand it right, you know, right away. But this book of Acts coming to life, if you want to see your family, and I'm not saying that you can control everyone in your family, but if you want to see your family become this family 2.0, you have to live out the book of Acts. And I, I want to make a passionate, and I'm not angry, plea with you. When Noah and his family got the message from God and, and knew that there was this flood coming and they had to build this boat, and they went off, they heard God. Can you imagine Joshua, after getting past the torch from Moses, Having going into the promised land, he's got to go in the promised land, take these kings down. Imagine if he hadn't done that and said, you know what? You know, his, his son said, what are we going to do? And he goes, we're going to build a boat. Why, Joshua? I don't know. That's what I heard Noah did, so we're going to do that. It's like every single person in the scriptures had their own unique journey. Amen? Moses parted the sea and delivered the, Egyptian, from them, the Israelites from the Egyptians. Okay, Joshua went into the promised land conquering established kings. Solomon built the glory of the temple before the Lord, where his presence would dwell as a symbolic presence, because we know that there's no place on earth that can hold the presence of God. You know, and, and we see Samson bringing about the glory of God through his nice hair and his strength, even in the midst of his sin. We see Rahab the prostitute who gets into the genealogy just by the fact that she defends where the Israelites are hiding, and she ends up in the genealogy of Jesus Christ. How many know you have your own book of Acts? You know, Paul and Peter are going on their journeys. Peter's thrown into prison right away, and the persecution hits him. And and it's, can you imagine Peter's mom and family experiencing this? Peter's in jail, right? It's kind of like, what's going to happen? And it's like a miracle brings him out. God gives us trials, does he not? But every one of these book of Acts, God wants the book of Acts to be not something that you read about somebody else's life. It's your life. If you're not on the road as Paul was to Damascus and then seeing conversion and then preaching the gospel you're not going to experience the power in the life of God. Amen? Amen. Come on, how many say amen to this? This is the way it is. You are not going to experience it unless you throw yourself out there. You know, Moses didn't, wasn't in the desert and saying to himself, man, maybe I should, you know, do what, what, um, what Noah did. I'll build a big boat out here in the desert and maybe a, a flood will come. He also didn't wake up and he goes, you know what? I'll go to the mountaintop and find God. He was basically just on a journey climbing the mountain. God said, come on up here. And he said, well, he, he wanted to go. No, God spoke to him. And when he got up there, he saw the glory of God. You can't hand that to somebody else. 
You have to have, you can't build your faith on what your grandfather experienced, right? I meet so many people and they say, I go, do you know God? No, but my cousin's dentist brother's friend knows God. So we're like, so I guess I know God too. You know, that's not the same thing. Don't you want to encounter God? How many say amen? Come on. Do you want to encounter God? Do you want your family to live the book of Acts? Because I'm telling you, turn to someone and say, I need my own book of Acts. I'm I'm telling you the truth. You need one. Okay, so I'm going to say, right, I'm going to start off the beginning. I'm going to go through this. They were filled, this, this living church at the beginning, they were filled and led by God's Spirit. You will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It starts in Acts 38. I mean, and you'll see all through the books of Acts, the Spirit did this. It said this. It confronted. It helped them. They didn't know what to do. They turned to the Spirit. This totally confused group of people that had been walking with Jesus didn't understand anything about how to be a church, how to be anything. They were waiting for Christ, and God says, wait there for me. And then he comes, and he pours out his Spirit, and this Holy Spirit would be their lifeline to get them to the future. Without the Spirit, you don't know what to do. Jesus says, apart from me, you can't do anything. Amen? And so, so here you have the Spirit. The, the, whether They didn't know that they were going to end up in prison. They didn't know they were going to be persecuted. They didn't know that some of them were going to die. They didn't know what their trials were. But everything was heading their way, and God was basically saying, the Spirit is going to show you what to do. But let your family experience that. You know, let them experience the presence of God. Amen? This is just my highest thing. So you have 30 years, this book of Acts, may it be 30 years for you, you know, that you walk to the book of Acts and beyond. First of all, they were filled and led by God's Spirit. The second one here is they shared Christ daily. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. If you want to move to Family 2.0, the best thing I can say is let your family be an example of doing the things of the Lord. What are we about as a family? We are doing the things of God. We are serving God. We are worshiping God. You know what I mean? We're helping people in need. We're serving in with a youth group. We're helping with the children's ministry. We're helping lead a small group. We're helping people at home. We're helping to greet people. You know, we lead people to Christ in our neighborhood. We're sharing Christ. We're using our hospitality gifts. How many say this is a great idea? Okay, this is it. We, we walk that way and we share who Christ is with people on a daily basis. You know, and, and this has happened, I know, in our family hundreds and hundreds of times. We've led hundreds and hundreds of people to Christ. Everyone, the third one here is they saw and experienced the miraculous. I wished I could control this, don't you? I would love to just wake up and go, you know what? I'm going to be miraculous today. I think I'll walk on the water. I'm going to go to the children's primary hospital, and I'm going to heal 75 people. What are you doing this afternoon? But how many know that we serve a sovereign God? We serve a God, and we have to be available to him, but it's God who's leading us, and he's directing us. But, but seeing the miraculous is, you know, when Jesus finally speaks to his disciples, and he says, they're asking him about these miracles, he goes, you're going you're gonna to do even greater things than this. And then when we get to the actual gifts of the Holy Spirit in Acts 12 through 14, it basically culminates into this thing called love. Can everyone say love? Love is the greatest of all of these. And I've often asked people who've had a broken arm or a broken leg, and I said, listen, you know, they've got a broken leg or a broken arm, but also they have a broken relationship. And I said, what do you want to see healed? Do you want to see your arm healed, or do you want to see your marriage or your relationship healed? And most people say both, right? And I said, because how many want both? But if God's working on stuff, how many know that God knows the right things to work on at the right time? It's just the way that it is. That's why Jesus says, in this life, you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have trials. You're going to have to, you have to work it out. But these miracles and signs, God wants our life to follow this way, where you've laid hands on people and they've been transformed. I mean, I can't, my, my faith has been so built 
on not just the truth of the gospel, but the seeing what God has done. How many of you need to take a risk and lay hands on somebody and just go, hey, let me pray for you that God will heal you? Do you guys believe that? And part of that is just is trusting the Lord and seeing that. You know, there's been times where I felt so dry in the Lord. I'm going, Lord, where are you? I don't sense your presence at all. But I could sense that God was drawing me closer. You know, I, and I turn to Jody, I go to Jody and I go, man, I just can't feel God at all. It's just, I don't sense God at all. I was just starting to get fearful and doubtful. And, and it's just like, I could sense the Lord as I've matured through the years where I could sense the Lord saying, draw near to me. You know, come near, come, come closer, Eric. And it's kind of like, okay, I've got to spend some time up on the mountain. You know, Lord, I'm here. You just make yourself available. God, I'm here, do something. And God's power comes. You know, his, his peace comes. And it's kind of like, sometimes it's persevering. There's times where it's taken me a couple days, a week. Sometimes it's God's really prolonged it and said, I need you to keep pressing in. I need you to keep trusting that I'm here. And, and you keep per- persevering. But, but this early church, they experienced financial freedom. You know, they experienced restoration. They experienced hope in the times of troubled times. How many have experienced hope? How many have experienced financial freedom? How many, how many are going through a trial right now? And, and see, the trials, the difference between the world's trials and your trials are the fact that God is working out his good things during your trials, amen? And this is how you need to understand it. And, and the, the next one is they overcame persecution and trials. And the whole book of Acts is just full of them. I mean, I just wonder how many things, they, they didn't know what their doctrine was. They didn't know how to balance grace with works. You know, they didn't understand, you know, how the church should be structured or organized. You know, they, they were meeting in the homes, they were meeting in the temple courts, you know, they were establishing leaders, there were false prophets coming amongst them and false leaders and false teachers. They were going through a bunch of trials and the word of God is what kept them steady. The spirit of God is what kept them steady. And that's why the Christian church still exists today. That's why we still preach Christ and him crucified, like Paul says in the book of Acts. He says, that was my message. I preached Christ and him crucified. How many preach that today? Raise your hand if you preach Christ and him crucified for our sins. Amen. And so we have Peter in prison, Paul persecuted, Jesus crucified. And this is the way life is. Life can be tough. Life can have trials. Life can have worries. You know, we have pain and stuff that we suffer through. But the Lord will give us empowerment to overcome and and persevere. Amen? And then the last one here, or the last two on these, is that we need to, they they live together as the church. It says, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. There was power there. That, that when they came together, there was power in their unity. You know, that the body of Christ is there to help comfort. It also happens in your own family. We did this thing called strength finders for our family to kind of figure out sort of what some of our strengths or, you know, learning styles or giftings were. And when, it, when we just looked at Jody and I with just us together, you know, we were pretty good together, but we were missing a lot of components. You add one kid and then another kid in our, in our family profile, and all of a sudden we were a lot stronger. You start, then you put all of our four kids in there, and we added a couple of friends, and it was like, boy, we're looking pretty strong. We can actually get things done. When it was Jody and I, we had great influence, but we couldn't get things done. When it was just them, they could get things done with no influence, right? You know, we had great executors, but then no relationships. Well, then we started adding a few people, and we started looking at the whole, and every part started working together. It reminds me of the astronaut. I, wrote this, I read this article about this astronaut, and he was talking about how each component, each person has an element in the shuttle that they're responsible for. None of them can make the shuttle fly. They can only do their element. And they're all, but they all have to be committed to the bigger mission. So while their element is working and functioning, the whole thing makes it fly. Well, we did a profile of our church staff, the ones who are here, most of them here during the day, and, and you know, who you know, do a lot of calls and youth ministry and that kind of stuff. 
And we were like 85% relational strength. But in other areas, we're really weakened. So if you want to hang out, come on down. But it showed me that God was saying the whole body of Christ is necessary. Do I hear an amen? And you might think, man, I am really strong in this and I'm really powerful in this. But there's other things that you're weak in. And this is why the early church met together. And it wasn't just, you know, let's play Pictionary together. That's great. You had fun. But it's the living life together that makes them stronger. So they live together. If you want to become this family 2.0, you have to integrate into the body of Christ. It's just the way it has to be. You can't live alone. There's no power there. It's partial power. And, and it's, it's missing. And the last one is they planted churches from city to city. This is the living the book of Acts. They planted churches from one place to the next. And the Bible says there is the promises for you and your children and all who are far off for all whom the Lord your God will call. In other words, they didn't just embrace the message for their household, but as soon as they got it in their house, they began to spread it to their neighbors, to their families, to their friends. This is the good news. How many are glad you're forgiven for your sins? How many have a lot of sins that need to be forgiven? Point to someone who's got even more than you. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of spouses going like that. And, you know, but the Bible says that they were sharing Christ. So imagine they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to share Christ. This is a family that is going to see the power and blessing of the Lord. Now, I'll tell you in our own, my own experience. I've had times when our, I thought our family was really striving and going well and had other times when I thought we were hurting and retreating. How many know what I'm talking about? It's just we experienced some pain, we experienced some disappointment, whatever it was. And I could tell we were retreating and, and just kind of our hearts were hurting and our hearts were not hard, but it was just, just pain. And when you start to get in pain, what do you start to do? You start to operate in that pain. Isn't that true? You know, um, you know one example is when I was growing up, you know, I had, some, I had some fears. There were some gangs in our neighborhood, not our immediate, right, right like on our same block, but, but right on my way to school. And I used to have to walk by there, and, and I, I just had seen some really terrible things, and then I got mugged by four guys with baseball bats. And, um, I, I rem- you know, I just remember wake, waking up, getting my face uh, sewed up, and... I remember the every time I would just hear it because I knew a lot. I had a lot of gang members that were in my uh, class, and one of my best friends, Tommy Brigandi, growing up was shot when I was um, when I was ten. I mean, uh, when I was in uh, sixth gr- or eighth grade, um, or ni- I'm sorry, ninth grade, and he was shot by a, a, a gang member who was in our school, and he was on my soccer team, and he had the eyes of death. I don't know how else to explain it, but I was scared of him, and he was only like four foot two. Um, I was scared of him because he just, it seemed like he had no life in his eyes, you know? I don't know. I don't have any hatred toward him, but I hope that he's found the Lord in prison because he's going to be there a long time. Um, But you know what? It it caused a lot of fear through the period of years, and and this wasn't the first time. I'd I'd been mugged on three different occasions. And, and so I would, hear, I would hear certain sounds that would just remind me, and I'd always be ready, always be ready. And my daughter wants to go down the street in Draper, Utah. I have a hard time letting her go. I'm, t- I'm telling you the truth. I have a hard time letting her go. I'm thinking two houses down. I'm going, you know what? I'm sure there's somebody from L.A. up here. <laughs> right? And, 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 my, and my kids look at me like I am the biggest idiot in the world. I'm serious. And, 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 I, and I, you know, and I, I just, there's, there's so, so much of that. I, and just when I, I remember just the times I'd walk to school and I hated walking to school. There's this one neighborhood that I, that I can't stand. I won't go into the details of it. Um, but it was just a, a really not a good place to, to walk. And every day I'd be going, man, how am I going to get by this bridge? You know, I got to get by this bridge. 
you know. And, and there, was, there was another pl- a place where I'd walk by, and there was a guy that stood out there all the time, and he'd go, and remember the first day he saw me, he goes, I'm going to throw you over the bridge. And so every day I walked all, I walked an extra two miles just so I wouldn't have to get, and I'd look to see if he was there, and, and there was about, you know, eight of them. And, and you know, and, and they had no respect for the, the teachers or anything. They would just tell us I didn't feel safe at all. And, and I was a pretty, and I was a fighter too. I mean, I, I probably got into one of the most of the fights at school. I was always in a fight, you know. And so I grew up with that mode. And now my little daughter just wants to go to the pauper's house four houses down. And, and I'm telling you, there's, this, there's one teenager there. He goes to Alta High School. He's sitting over there, but I'm thinking to myself, if you even get close to my daughter, you're like going to die. <laughs> you know? And, and I'm like thinking, don't even look at me wrong. How many, how many know what I'm talking about? I, I'm going, don't even look at me wrong. You, you know what I'm saying? How many know I'm the one who's distorted? Right? And, and I'm trying to be transparent with my own dysfunction to say that I'm operating not full of the Spirit, but I'm operating in my own fear. It's my own fear that is bigger motivator than the Spirit of God within me. Every one of these experiences that I have had are real. Okay? And I could give you lots more experiences. But they were very real. And guess what? I have the Spirit of God, and He can protect me in Los Angeles, anywhere. He can protect me anywhere. Amen? I have the God who is miraculous. I can engage the hard things. The book of Acts is a place where the church comes alive in the world, in the marketplace. And our family needs to see that God can do it. Was I the perfect example? No. But my kids will tell you I was a good example. I, I engaged. I am engaged in the kingdom. I'm telling you the truth. Sometimes, and I'm not saying you're like I'm picking on you, our families. Your families, our families are too boring. Is that all right to say? There's not enough kingdom stuff happening. You need to engage a demon every once in a while, okay? You need to engage the community. You need to get into the argument every once in a while. You need to feel the hostility of what's going on and watch the good news win. Amen? The love of God win. There's times when your family's going through despair and kids, listen, they love Xbox, toys, games, whatever it is that they're playing. Can I tell you something about those things? Every year they get a new version and Best Buy has them walking around the block waiting for these new game. In a couple weeks, it's all said and done. You slay the dragon, you know, you find the killing thing. That is not near as boring. I mean, near as exciting as living in the kingdom. Amen? It's not as exciting as seeing people in your living room delivered from drugs on the spot. It's not as exciting as seeing your kids get breakthroughs. How many say amen to this? Do you want a family 2.0 or do you want the family 1.5 or the 1.0? You got to engage the kingdom. Amen? It's, there's no way around this. Okay? Um, number two, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because I feel like every sermon's on this. We're guided by God's inspiration. And this is, these commandments I give to today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. When you talk about them, when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. I don't think he's specifically like, don't talk about it until you're lying down. He's trying to say every scenario. Amen? Every scenario. Make this a normal part of what you do. Amen? So you are taught, not, not in a religious way. You know what the commandments of the Lord are? Commandment number one is love the Lord your God. It's not like that. It's... When you're sitting with your kids and, and you're, you watch something that you shouldn't, you just say something like, hey, you know what? We, we probably shouldn't have watched that. Or, you know what? That's, that's, that's not a commercial we should be looking at. Or it's a thing that's basically that's saying, hey, let's talk about this. Or how are you doing as far as that goes? 
You know, what do you feel like God's saying to you right now? Engaging them in the things of the Lord. Amen? So, guided by God's inspiration. And um, go two down, number three. Uh, we're empowered by real meaning. Now, I'm going to uh, focus on this, and uh, let's start with this. Can everyone say the word wonder? It, it starts off with wonder. You're born into this world, and you remember your kids when they're little, and you maybe you remember yourself, and your kids are like, wow, look at everything. You know, you, you go... You know, I remember Jody and I would have like a box in the garage or something, and our kids would just be in that box. I'm serious. They'd be in box or, you know, we were building our house and we had sheetrock mud there. And one of our sons, we came out there and he was in the sheetrock mud. And he goes, look, dad. And my mind immediately went to I just spent 50 bucks on this big bucket of, that's what I was thinking. And now it's all over the floor. Do you know how many hours I spent on this? But think about the wonder of this kid. Look what I found. (laughs) Woo! Come on, man. Right? There's something I want wonder. Do you know that we're fearfully and wonderfully made? That, That that word is really an awe word that God's going, yeah. That's really rah-reh means, yeah. It's like, whoa, God made us with an honest. Shouldn't life have a, have a bit of that honest to it? Because when I'm talking about this journey of life, I think that wonder stops and it goes to the next phase when I think we should keep wonder. Wonder should come around. Let me give you some examples of wonder and I'll start with the kid here. You know, people were bringing babies to Jesus to have him touch them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. Now, it's amazing. You got these kids, and I was a kid's pastor for quite a few years, and and Jesus is going to his disciples, and he's saying, basically, I'm going to teach you guys something new. Because they had been around the Pharisees. They had heard the rules all their lives. And these kids were not like bringing their tassels with their rules. They were just kids that saw that Jesus had power, and they just go, man, Jesus is over there right? It's like if he's at the mall and all of a sudden you see Jesus at the mall and these kids go, where? The adults are going like, well, what, what doctrine does he have? I mean, you know, does he, uh, does he affiliated with the Westminster Confession document? Of, you know what I mean? It, it's like all great statements of doctrine. I love them all. But there's a childlikeness there and the disciples are stopping them. And I think to myself, churches are run by stuffy suit people. Isn't that true? When Jesus is going, he's going to make this big statement. Jesus calls the children to him and he says, let the little children come to me and don't hinder them. Don't stop them. And they love this sentence. He says, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. You know, they come with this freshness. They don't have the same kind of baggage. You know, it's kind of like he's doing good stuff. There it is. You know? And, and, and it says, and he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is the wonder. You know, I mean, every once in a while, you just get, got to get a killer song. You need to put it on your iPod or your droid. You need to, oh, I was going to say, just get naked somewhere. But you know, <laughs> you know, where no one can see you. And you need to put your headphones on, Right? You need to put your hands in the air like David with his linen ephod, right? Where his wife's going, you're embarrassing me in front of the women. And he's going, I'll do this and more. Because he wasn't being sexual. He was demonstrating his wonder before his God. And the thing is, you got to put your headphones on and you got to listen to that beat and you got to go, yes. You know what I mean? I mean, every once in a while, I just got to put comfortably them on and I got to listen to the guitar lead. You know what I mean? I'm not a drug addict, but David Gilmore's, it's a wonderful song. It is. And every once in a while, I was saying this, I don't know if I should say this, but you got to, you got to, I don't know if I should say this or not. Every once in a while, when you see your wife, you got to give her a little slap. You know what I'm saying? There's something about 
life being fun. Amen. There is something. Amen. Woo! Because I'm telling you that the scriptures are full of rejoicing. It all culminates in a party. Honey, I'll see you at home. (laughs) It culminates at this big party. Amen? And this is the excitement of wonder. Woo! Life. And your life and family, if it's not, or you're stuck, you got to make it fun. Because kids shouldn't have to sneak in the other room to listen to a cool song. You know? And sometimes they got to take over the stereo. And you got to turn the subwoofer up. And you just got to put your earmuffs on and go with it. Right? I'm just talking about we got to enjoy life. There is a wonder to life. Those children that come to Christ don't have an education. They don't know what they're doing, but there's an excitement about it. Amen? Now, this isn't by itself, and that's why I'm going to go to the next one here. Okay? And this wonder, too, I I put down, you got to go outside and trip out on the stars. Look at what God has made. Trip out with no weed. You don't need the weed. The stars are tripping out anyway. Trust how God made you. Right? Turning your neurons, synapses on or off isn't going to help. You just got to get used to reality. You're just not used to it for some of you. Listen, you got wonder, and I think the next one kind of says where your next line of maturity is. You go from wonder to I want truth too. I don't want to just wonder. What I love about this and what I love about Christianity is that it is true. You know, and I'm telling you, I talk to atheists all the time. And I told you, bring any atheist that you know with any evidence to prove that God does not exist, and I will be an atheist. Because I promise you that they will not have it. The the world declares the glory of God. From the smallest, from life to no life, to the smallest information within the DNA molecule, to the quantum world of quantum physics and the the motion of the electron, to every component of the fossil record points to the glory of God. The marine invertebrates, the Precambrian and the Cambrian, are full of backbone life, not single-celled to multiple embryonic stages of evolution. And I'm telling you, the evidence is on the creation side. There is no evidence, and it needs to be suppressed, that wins against the knowledge of God. We need truth. Your family needs to know. It needs to not have an... You know, someone sent me this text um, yesterday or day before, and he said, hey, man, someone wrote me about some Bible contradictions. And this is what I do all the time. Because I hear these lists. It was just some college kid who stumbled on something he didn't understood, and he went to a website, and he picked up a few things, and he shattered the faith of probably about 15. Now, any pastoral scholar could rip this list apart in a couple minutes. It's really a pathetic list. And, and the, th- the problem is, is that most people who just glance at it don't know that. Because they, they're looking at it, they're looking at it, first of all, in the English, they're not understanding the Hebrew, and so they're not really understanding what the text is saying. And so they're going, I think this is a contradiction. Is it? And I kind of, and I kind of, so I just go, I just answered the first two. And I said, here's the first two. The rest of the 49 are like it. I don't have time. <laughs> right? And he answered the first two. And I, I get a text back going, woo, that was easy. And I go, yeah, it was easy. But you know what? How many people and families that don't believe truth are going to get sucked into that? Oh my gosh, I'm not sure if the Bible's true. It goes right back to the Garden of Eden. Did God really say, Satan says to Adam and Eve? Did God really say you shouldn't do this? Questioning God's word, right? And the second lie was like it. You too can become like God, right? And all false religion and all hypocrisy is built on that. How many say amen? That's the way it is. Truth. Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. <laughs> There's no such thing as a stupid question. You, if you have questions, you go, man, I'm not sure if this is true. I'm not sure if this is true. That's fine. Dig for the truth. 
okay? But dig for the truth. Be open-minded, amen? And we shouldn't, Christians should not be afraid of the truth. There should not be topics that we need to hide out. We don't need to hide from our archaeology and go, gosh, I wonder if there's archaeology and I wonder, you know, if that matches Christianity. We have the archaeology. We have the existential proof. You know, we have the historical proof. And these are things that we don't need to shy away from. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may seem plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Truth. Search for it. Know it. Live it. Fight for it. Let your family know that you can defend the truth. Do I hear an amen? amen? And if you add to your faith goodness, goodness, knowledge, uh, is the letter from Peter. And this is another one. Since the creation of the world's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that men are without excuse. You know, I, I, when I was putting this together earlier this week, you know, I was looking at this text and I was thinking, you know, from God's perspective, he thinks the universe declares his existence. He thinks when you look at the universe, you know, it's a declaration that God is a God of order, that there's a teleological argument there, that there are laws of physics that seem to be in place, that things anthropically are designed in such a way that our existence is possible and fruitful. And, and he thinks that it's obvious to us but a lot of people, they're going like, I'm not sure if it's true. Listen, can everyone say wonder? And turn to someone and say, don't lose your wonder. Okay, and the second one, can everyone say truth? Truth. We need both wonder and truth. And then the third one here is love. You can have all the truth in the world and you can have a life full of wonder. But if we don't have relationship and love, it's not going to mean much. Do you guys agree? We need to have love. We need sometimes the romantic love. We need the friendly love, right? God has all these different loves that he has in the scriptures, eros and agape, etc. And he wants us to have this love so that we can experience relationship in a deep way. That's why be imitators of God as dearly loved children. You know, something that I always need to remind myself you know, that what a, a manner has God loved us that we should be called children of God. And, and God wants us. He says, live a life of love. And, and I want to I just challenge you. Parents, can I just challenge you? I'm not saying I'm perfect in this, but this is what I strive for and what I think the text is, is be like the Lord. And when you're love, when you're talking about love, don't just have your kids, you know, just kind of believe, hopefully believe that you love them. And I, and I know that there's wicked parents out there that have done evil things. And, and some kids and young people have not experienced that love. Turn to the love of the Father God and you'll get pure love. People have fallen short. People have given themselves over to depravity and wickedness in great extremes. But God's love is still amazing. And it's done by the enemy to lower your view of love. When you're expressing love to your spouse, to your kids, I put here, be real, be verbal, be emotional. Risk it, right? Just every once in a while, you got to look at them and you just go, man, I just, I love you so much. You got to tell them. You got to get detailed. I love the way you do this. I love the way you do that. I love the way this looks. I love the way you sing. I love whatever it is. If you want to live not just with wonder, with the world and where you are and God made you, and not just with the truth of what's right, but love, you got to say it, right? you got to show it. you got to bring the flowers. It's more than the slap on the behind. It's sometimes you gotta, you know, you got to kiss the ear and you got to communicate. Amen? you got to tell them. you got to look them in the eyes and say they mean something to you, Right? That if you're not in this world, if they're not in this world, this world's not good without them. Amen? Amen. We have to say it. Turn to someone and say, love's got to be real. And, and listen, I mentioned my pain. I have communicated in my own pain before. And it always causes more damage than it does constructively. How many have admit that? You've spoken out of your own pain. Apologize. Get back on the horse and try again, right? 
That scripture is written there for a reason. Though a righteous man falls seven times, yet he will get up. And he's going to try again. Amen? Um, And then the last one is security. Thanks, babe. (laughs) Sorry, I had something else in my mind. (laughs) Hey, to the pure, all things are pure. He who trusts in himself is a what? He who trusts in himself is what? Is a fool. But he who walks in wisdom is kept safe. God's wisdom. God's spirit. He takes delight in us. You know, last week I sang that song, I will change your name. You know, no longer will you be discouraged. No longer will you be desolate. God says, you're going to be joy. You're going to be confidence. You're going to be overcoming one. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. I can't tell you because I can't articulate the wholeness of the love of God from my own experience and the way that I'd like to, to fully reflect who God is. But I can tell you this with absolute confidence in the scripture is that God loves you with an everlasting love. It is an amazing, when you see the love of God and the revelation of God, there is nothing to be compared to it. And the fact that he knows you and not only knows your flaws, but has actually made payment for it is pretty incredible. He's made payment for your sins. The Bible says that Abraham prophesied this day. That's why we have the cross there, not because we want to celebrate a death symbol of Christ. It symbolizes the final demolishment of the law that stood with us, which is written about in Galatians and is in Leviticus, where cursed is he who was hung on a tree. That is the final fulfillment of Christ from the Old Testament. And when that falls, the curse is gone. How many say amen? And there is more than that. There is a promise. And the promise is that God says, I'll be with you. We have to walk by faith. The righteous will walk by faith. The man who does not work, but trusts God who justifies the wicked, he is the one who will stand right with God, Romans 4.4. God wants us to have security. Jesus says, I give my sheep eternal life. They shall never perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. They're safe. We need to express a security within our family that says, I'm here for you. Turn to somebody right now and say, I am here for you. Okay? And I want you to get this confidence. I know this is not the way that people think of the scripture, but this is the prophetic scripture of the day of Christ. It's turned into songs. Put the next one on there. This is, this is kind of a song that's kind of, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. It's, but the, the, and this is a great song for, for the 60s, you know. Some of you 60s people there, I saw you guys come to life just for a moment there. You go, man, it's all my nostalgia. But, you know, but those who listen to this, they've never heard that song before. But that song isn't a let's celebrate today song. It's not just that. This day is the day that the Lord is made. He's talking about the day of atonement. It's the day that Christ sets us free from our sins. That's the prophetic word from that text. Can I tell you the security it brings? This is this day. And this day the Lord made. Can you say this? Say, I'm going to be safe in it. I'm going to rejoice in it. Now just say, I'm going to be glad in it. And that's how you know. Because the Lord holds everything in his universe. You don't believe in God? Gravity can change. Speed of light can change. Your molecules can fall apart. Right? It's, it's, it's so interesting to me that the molecule that holds all the other molecules together is the molecule laminin, which is a molecule shaped exactly like the cross. Have you ever seen that? In that Colossian scripture, it says... For he holds everything. All things are consisted within him. God has this day in his hands. Say it with me. Say, this is the day 
that the Lord has made. Now, tomorrow, that'll be the day that the Lord has made. We are secure. Live a life of wonder. Don't forget truth and don't be ashamed to pursue it. Any Christian who is afraid to look at truth that he might find something that might shatter his faith is not thinking like a, a strong believer. You do not need to fear truth. Truth will always point you to God and it'll point you to the God of the Bible. And the third one is we need to have love. And the fourth one is we need to be secure. Do you want meaning in your family? Bring those four attributes. How many say amen? Why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to give you a chance to respond, not to me, but to the Lord, okay? Between you and God. Father, I thank you for your greatness, your mercy, your power, um, your love that endures all things. It perseveres, Lord. It perseveres over all things. Lord, I pray, first of all, and I want to give you guys a chance to respond to the concept of wonder. Maybe you've lost the wonder in your life. Maybe you've lost the wonder in your marriage. Maybe you've lost the wonder in your family. I think you need to go home and trip out in, in, with, in reality. Don't, don't go buy yourself a pill on the way home. I'm telling you, you need to trip out and check out the sky and the clouds on your way home and go, I am alive. You need to have some wonder to go, man, I live in an awesome country. Thank God. I think, I think you need to go home and you need to go, I have got awesome friends around me. And you need to look at your kids again and go, look at these awesome kids. Sinners they are. But Lord, I see what you put in them. You need to wonder. Tonight, you look up at the stars. I want you to go, man, I'm alive in a, a vast universe where no one's found any life anywhere else, but this, this universe, our solar system, seems to be almost designed for life. And I want you to wonder and just go, wow, that's awesome. And think about the creativity that's within you. You're an original. You are unique in God. And just say, God, it's awesome. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God for you. If that's you... Just, will you just respond to God? Just raise your hand and say, Lord, I want to live a life of wonder. You want to reclaim the wonder you may have lost. Maybe you're older. Come on. You don't need to lose the wonder. You actually get it back in greater ways. You're about to experience the greatest wonder of all when you go to meet with God. The second one. So, Lord, we just come to you for wonder. Second one is truth. You need to fight for truth. If that's you. Just raise your hand and say, I'm a fighter for truth. I want truth. I want reality. I want what's right. I want what's good. I need to admit when I'm wrong. If that's you, just raise your hand to God and say it to him. And then love. Maybe you've not found the deep love. I want you to stop looking for someone else to say they love you. And I want you to become the one who says, I love you. You say it. You feel it. You express it. Be a risk taker with your wife or your spouse and tell them in long sentences how you feel and look them in the eye and slobber a little bit, right? Slobber on, let it fall down onto your shirt where it's a little embarrassing because your love is that deep. You're a risk taker. Don't be boring. And the fourth one is security. You need to tell the people around you that you're someone that could be counted on. No matter how many times you fail, you're going to be there. And you tell them, say, I am here for you. And you know that you serve a God like that. And how many say amen?